Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. We all have something special, even if it's just one thing that that might help someone else. And I think the art of coaching is knowing when, where, how and why you're sprinkling that gold dust. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. You're now listening to The Coaches Network podcast aiming to bring people at the heart of coach and player development together. My name is Coach Yas, a UEFA A licensed, FA Advanced Youth Award and FA Goalkeeper B licensed coach. With over 10 years of experience working in youth football from grassroots right through to Premier League academies, I'm currently operating as an affiliate tutor for the FA alongside working towards a Masters in Performance Football Coaching. Today I'm going to be joined by my co-host and the Coaches Network Analysis Specialist, Coach Ben. Ben is a UEFA A licensed coach who holds the FA Youth Award and a Masters in Sports Coaching, with 10 years of experience including working across the male and female youth development pathways, alongside a vast experience on individual, player and team performance analysis. And as part of our Insight series, we'll be joined by a range of individuals working across multiple disciplines within the coaching world in order to explore their journeys and dig deeper into their experiences, so that we can leave you with some golden nuggets to help you reach your full potential. Right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yas, and today I've got a very special guest with me. Today's guest is Tony Elliott. Tony is the head of goalkeeping for Birmingham City Women's, as well as a couple of roles that he's got within the FA that we're going to delve into later in this conversation. Good morning, Tony. How are you? Morning, mate. Yeah, I'm great, thank you. Um, just glad to be uh, finally working again and back on the grass and working with, with the players and the goalkeepers. So, uh, yeah, happy now. Fantastic. Um, Tony, I'm not going to waste any time. I just want to get straight to the heart of the conversation. You know, I wanted to go right back to the start of your journey. Um, would you mind just sharing a bit of insight around how you got into coaching and where that journey started to do? Yeah, of course. Um, I wouldn't suggest that coaching was forced upon me, but um, it was It was sort of uh, came a little bit prematurely, I guess. Um, obviously, I was a professional um, goalkeeper for nearly 14 years um, across six clubs uh, representing my country. Um, schoolboy and youth level up to the age of under 19, uh, went into the pro game. And then unfortunately, I got injured when I was 30. Um, so I'd already sort of kind of played the road in terms of what I was going to do after football. I wanted to stay in the game and I wanted to be a coach. I found I had a, you know, a, a desire to to help others and, and to sort of share my knowledge with other other people. So I always felt coaching was going to be the next step for me. I, I didn't want to have a life without football whether that be playing or coaching. 
Um, <clears throat> so really, <clears throat> at the age of 30, forced to retire through injury. Um, couldn't work for about five or six months because of the injury. It was a back problem. Um, and then there was no um, coaching work as such because I didn't have any qualifications at that time. Um, so I had to take a, a job uh, stacking shelves at Morrison's for about uh, <clears throat> eight or nine months, um, which was quite humbling, if I'm being honest. Um, sort of dropped me into the inverted commas, the real world. And, um, you know, um, <clears throat> gave me a, a, an idea that I never wanted to be without football again. Um, so that was it. I started the, the path in terms of my qualifications and uh, started to build my reputation as a as a developer of, of goalkeepers. And uh, I, guess, I guess the rest is history. I've you know, been in, in around it 20 years now. So um, hopefully I'm still doing a good job and, and providing a great service for people. And I'm sure you are, you know, I want to kind of just touch on a few things there. Obviously, you know, being a goalkeeper, you know, it's, it's almost probably seen as a, a natural progression to maybe go into the goalkeeping coaching side. Have you ever considered coaching on a more generic level and working with squads and, and groups of players as opposed to goalkeepers or is, it, it has being a goalkeeper kind of just driven that? Yeah, no, I um, obviously, that journey, as a, as uh, you know, I consider my, myself a, a coach, a football coach that, that specialises in goalkeeping as a, as, a, as a coach. I've had to sort of take a dual path, I guess, with, with my path. Mm-hmm. Having now worked across, what is it, seven formats of the game, you know, men's, women's, um, futsal, uh, you know, the, the different <clears throat> um, formats of the disability game. Um, I've sort of had to upskill myself and educate um, across many different pathways. So, you know, as I say, from mainstream football, um, you know, obviously I had to, to get my qualifications in, in sort of the outfield aspects before I could then jump over onto the, the goalkeeping specialism side of it. Um, so I've done that. And then obviously I've had to uh, gain the top qualifications in futsal to enable me to be a, a coach developer. Um, but then also learn and, and understand the the role of the coach in, in the disability formats and, and take the disability um uh, qualifications so you know in that sense in terms of I guess in terms of my CV I've you know I've got many many qualifications across many different formats and that's helped me become the diverse um, and I would like to think forward thinking coach that that I am today mm. you know you talked about diversity you know and I want to go into obviously some of the stuff you're doing in terms of disability football um, at a late and obviously touching on the futsal as well. I just want to start by, you know, looking at your current role, and obviously with Birmingham City Women's. Mm-hmm. Let me just try and get a good picture of how you've ended up in that role and you know, where your first steps kind of... Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, just going back to, to what we just talked game. about there, you know, we were talking about the sort of utilising and using your skill sets, you know, in, in, in the, 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 the... I would suggest the role of the goalkeeper coach in the modern game is very different to what it looked like maybe, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago. We're, we're now, you know, not just the, the individual that, that stands in uh, <clears throat> that old old place that they used to call it compost corner um, and just works with the goalkeepers until the coach is ready for them to join in with the rest of the group. We're now very much part of and integrated in the support, the, the staff support group for the, for the squad, for the team. Um, not just developing the goalkeepers, but also having the understanding of the game and the skill set to enable us to 
link in and work with the rest of the group um, in, in order to support the head coach, assistant coach, and, and, and therefore, you know, develop the team in readiness for anything that's, that's coming in terms of, of game situations. So, um, you know, we are very much now a multifunctional individual. We're not just the developer of the goalkeepers. We're now, um, you know, we're very much an integral part and an important part of, of the staff group. Um, and, and I've held positions, um, you know, not just as a goalkeeper coach, but as assistant coach. Even head coach uh, when I was working with the England women's deaf futsal squad, so it's given me great opportunity to to work not just as a goalkeeper coach, but also to gain a broader understanding of the game itself, depending on what format that is. And then obviously you use and utilise that skill, you know, those skills when you you jump in and and offer your support to to the group in terms of their development. Um, in terms of the women's game, um, yeah, it was a just a chance happening really. I was delivering at the um, FA Goalkeeping Conference, the very first one in, in 2013. I did four of them, I think, uh, from 2013 to um, 2016. So uh, it was a great honour for me to be asked to deliver four years running, um, an honour that you know I always loved and enjoyed <clears throat> delivering to, to the masses um, and obviously sharing my knowledge around the role of the goalkeeper in the modern game. Um, but at that... Uh, that particular conference, um, the then um, England goalkeeper coach Lee Kendall um, approached me after uh, the delivery of my session, and um, he asked me if I'd be interested in in joining him and linking in with the the national setup. And uh, it was a no-brainer for me, to be honest. I was already involved um, around futsal and I think the England CP squad at the time. Um, so for me to be asked to then sort of work at a national level uh, in the women's game was just another fantastic honour that, you know, was going to be bestowed upon me. And I'd just like to think it was, you know, it was offered and given to me purely and simply because, you know, I I have that ability to, to care and share for others, to um, deliver when under pressure, um, but obviously to deliver the right um, information in terms of of detail and, and processes. So um, it caught Lee's eye. He offered me the opportunity to work on a part-time basis with the some of the youth squads within the women's game. And, and that was my first contact. So, um, and as I say, the rest is history now. I've been in and around it, what, seven years now. So across different uh, guises and, and still thoroughly enjoying it. Mm. So, you know, just moving into your current role now, obviously, you know, with Birmingham City Women. Uh, no, it's uh, it's classed as again, role, I'm it? not um, on a full-time contract. I'm on a contract of services. So, but um, although it's not full-time, it feels like full-time sometimes with the amount of work we do both, you know, in-house and, and at home. Um, as I said, it's not just, you know, about the work we do on the grass with, with the goalkeepers. It's also um, around analysis of opposition set plays and, and various other things. So, um, you know, although it's not a full-time um, position, it is, um, you know, at times very intense, very involved. Um, but again, I love I love that, that multifunctionality of it, um, not just working on the grass or working with the keepers, but also focusing on other aspects of the game and in order to support the, the head coach and, and her, her staff, um, you know, as we move into, you know, Game by game on a weekly basis. 
fair enough. And then just on, you know, just to, just to kind of give a bit more insight around that, would you mind sharing a bit of? Uh, yeah, so we we, we basically like structure our week. Um, we 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 play on a Sunday, um, so obviously our game day is Sunday, not Saturday like in the, you know, the majority of the men's game. So we play on a Sunday. So we, we begin pre- preparation, um, you know, depending on who we're playing. That it, it could be weeks before, but generally we'll, that week leading up to a game. Um, we're, we're off on a Monday, but obviously the players recover. Uh, we're in on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. So Tuesday and Wednesday, would one day would be in possession. Um, the other day would be out of possession. So we'll focus on, um, you know, those two elements of the game. Um, obviously, the, the the transitional side of the game will come into both of those days as well, whether you've got the ball or you haven't got the ball. Um, my work with the goalkeepers would be purely dependent on what the requirements of the head coach are for those days. So if the head coach needs the goalkeepers in the practices for a good amount of time, then I have no issue with that. And, and uh, you know, they always get the decision on whether the goalkeepers are needed within the group or whether I would have time to work with them specifically um technically tactically um you know or around the other elements of, of the game um psych social and uh, and physical um and then um you know we 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 obviously prepare the group in readiness for what was coming uh, we're off on a thursday back in on a friday so on a friday um again it would generally be a little bit of a a mixture really of going through those different um, aspects of the game. Um, you know, we'd look at set plays as well and things like that. And then Saturday we'd be in and it would generally be just, you know, any final um, sort of bits and pieces that we need to go through in readiness for the game on the Sunday. We're not in for long on the Saturday. Um, but again, you know, if the goalkeepers want anything specific or if, the, if I've seen something specific that we need to sort of look at in terms of the opposition then we'll work on that throughout the week and then touch on it on a Saturday and then uh, obviously we're ready for game day on Sunday and, and it's uh, an ongoing cycle then um, you know so we, we do have a, a system we do have a sort of a, a process and a way that we work but it's always flexible and if we need to sort of drop out of that process or, or focus on something a little bit different we're never afraid to do that and uh, you know, I'm not precious and possessive over the goalkeepers. Um, I work hand in hand with the head coach. Their decision is final. And, and um, you know, if there's a necessity for the goalkeepers to be involved more with the group rather than just in isolation with myself, then I have no problem with that. And uh, it's about the group preparation rather than the individual preparation, although that will happen during the week as and when we have time to do that. Definitely. And, you know, just want to kind of just pick up a little thing, a couple of things on what you just said there. Um, linking back firstly to, I guess, the needs of the group and obviously mm-hmm. the head coach maybe having a say in terms of what's needed. Uh, obviously, linked to your last point there about the goalkeepers in isolation. How, you know, would you mind just going into a bit of detail, um, just maybe sharing, sharing your thoughts on the importance of goalkeepers being, or goalkeepers as well as the goalkeeper coaches being integrated into that that overall group process because you know I've had experiences in the past as a goalkeeper coach myself um, and I'm sure there'll be many listeners who have been in the same position or who have not and maybe don't already understand in that side of things 
you might just go into a bit of detail and again, like I said, your thoughts. Yeah, on I think it's massive. It I think it's huge now. <clears throat> you know, the goalkeeper plays such an important part in the game now. And obviously, the higher level you get, the more involved they are and the more um, more important and integrated they are in, in gameplay. Um, you know, when we talk about the goalkeeper, you know, now they're not just a defender of the goal, they're actually uh, an initiator, an instigator of attacks, you know. Um, and depending on the goalkeeper, they can be very much a threat, you know, when they're in possession of the ball. When you look at the likes of Edison and, and, and Tostegan and, and people like these and goalkeepers like this, you know, they're a Neuer, you know, they're, they're an integral part of, of the way that their teams play out from the back and build up play. So um, how are they going to learn that and understand that if they're not integrated into team practices where they're actually working on those patterns, you know? So, yes, we, we need to develop them individually. Of course we do. I'm not saying that that's not the case, but every goalkeeper is different. Um, every team's philosophy and way of playing will be different. And it's how the goalkeeper um, is integrated into that philosophy that determines then how, as a goalkeeper coach, you need to, A, develop them, but also, B, understand when, where and how to integrate them into practice, um, you know, and working hand-in-hand hand with the other uh, members of staff in order to develop your practices through the week for the betterment of the group. And that's how I see it working now. So, um, for me, the days of... You know, the goalkeeper coach every day going out with the, the goalkeepers for an hour and a half and, you know, doing full-on sessions and, you know, highly physical and, um, you know, very little decision-making situations and processes. For me, they're gone now. Um, and I think we, we have to loosen the reins a little bit. And as I say, not be as um, precious and possessive over our goalkeepers. They're not our goalkeepers. They're the team's goalkeepers. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm answerable to the head coach. So, um, you know, I'll give my thoughts, my ideas, um, you know, my rationale for, for certain things if we need to work on them. But ultimately, you know, the, the head coach will always have the final say and I'll uh, I'll listen to that, buy into that and, and make sure that I do what I can to support them in terms of getting the team ready for, for the next game. Brilliant. You know, just talking there about the head coach obviously having the final say mm -hmm. and whatnot. In terms of the content of your sessions now, obviously working at a senior level, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot more obviously focused around the performance end of things rather than. So how how does how does a you know how does a goalkeeper coach mm -hmm. at a senior level, uh, albeit female or male, uh, look at devising a I guess a a pro a program or a scheme of work for those mm -hmm. goalkeepers? Obviously, you know. There's things that will happen throughout the season, over the weeks, in, you know, throughout games and whatnot that might alert mm. your attention to certain areas that might need to be considered. However, is it, um, you know, it would be fair to say that you've probably got a uh, some sort of structure or plan in place that kind of yeah, yeah, of course. Every every goalkeeper that, that I that work sense. with will have their own IDP individual development plan um, or program, you know, whatever you want to call it um, that I will work to. So. You know, we'll set set out certain um, <coughs> parameters and then targets, goals that, that each individual will try to work towards if there's a certain element or aspect of their game across the five elements. I've already mentioned those. Um, then, you know, we'll look at that. We'll, we'll make sure that we update that. And, uh, you know, obviously the goalkeepers will 
we'll review their IDPs probably every six weeks. I mean, we'll, we'll work work from the weekly, but um, you know, I'm not again too um, overzealous with 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 forcing that kind of thing on the goalkeeper. Some really enjoy that part of the game, some don't. So you know, it depends on the individual you're working with, but. Um, you know that we'll have their own individual development plans that we'll we'll work to, and and within that, you know, there will be, um, you know, a syllabus of sorts, with a practice curriculum attached to that. Um, but you know, my work is very much geared around on a weekly basis, as I've already mentioned. You know, we'll have certain and, and particular days where we work on in possession, out of possession. So let's just say, for instance, you know, on a on a Tuesday, we're working on our teams in possession, then my work with the goalkeepers, whatever time allotted that is, would then befit what um, we were working on in terms of our in possession stuff. So it could be, for instance, that we're working on playing out from the back and building the play. Well, obviously the goalkeeper is integral in that and they're going to play a big part. So it would be naive of me, you know, if we were going into that and, and spending most of that session however long it is an hour and a half two hours for the whole group you know if we're working on in possession it would be crazy of me just to go for for let's say i get the goalkeepers for 45 minutes and i just spent that 45 minutes working on shot stopping and dealing with balls from wide areas because then that wouldn't equip the goalkeepers in readiness for what they were going to go into next so my work for that 45 minutes or however long it is would would link to what the goalkeepers were going to go into within the the next stages of the practice with the group. So, as I've said, if that was an in-possession day, then a good percentage of my work with the goalkeepers in isolation would be spent on, um, you know, the in-possession part of the game. You know, um, their, their passing, their, their range of passing uh, could also be working on throwing. But within that, we'll, we'll sort of have a transitional situation. So there might be a situation where we might work on handling or shot stopping and so on, but then definitely immediately once the goalkeeper's dealt with the ball, if they secure the ball, then we'll be looking for a transition. So can they play out quickly? Can they hit certain areas? Can we work on their, their passing and throwing range? Um, and more times than not, if I can, if I've got numbers, I'll be working on, on, on sort of, you know, live elements, in other words, moving players to enable the goalkeepers to to make their practice as realistic as we possibly can before they link in with the team. So <clears throat> if it was an out-possession day, it'd be exactly the same. So then, yes, we would spend more time probably in that uh, time allotted that I had with the keepers working on, you know, handling uh, the, the different techniques in terms of shot-stopping and saving, 1v1s, dealing with balls from wide areas and so on and so forth, but always, again, with a, with a transitional element because that's the game. We have to make it as natural and realistic as we possibly can for the goalkeepers so that they can link that then um, into the practice. So that, that's practice transference. That's what I call it, you know. So does my work link with what they're going on to next? Has it helped them? And do they get have they got a broader understanding of, of what's to come in the, the next part of the session? And that's my job as the goalkeeper coach. Mm. So, you know, just interested there, obviously, you know, it would seem as almost that you try and steer, you know, you touched on it earlier around that isolated work. And would it be fair to say again, you're away from as much isolated work as possible? Would it be fair to say that um, you try I wouldn't and steer say away that from I avoid it. Um, I still do plenty of it. And again, it's all relevant. It's all dependent on 
on a day-to-day basis what the requirements are of the, of the group. Um, and, you know, there might also be certain things that I need to spend a little bit more time on working with, with the goalkeepers. You know, there could be something that's happened in the game or there could be a, a pattern or trend of, of situations that's been occurring, you know, in, in the previous weeks that I really need to sort of work on and, and get right and nail down. Um, but then that, that comes again to what we talked about before and that, that link that the goalkeeper coach now has with the head coach, the assistant coach, is to say, look, you know, this is the situation. I want to work on this with the goalkeepers. I need a little bit of time. Um, and obviously, discussions then need to be had. Now, ultimately, look, if if the head coach says, look, we need the goalkeepers for this amount of time, that amount, then I have to fit in with that. Now, if I have to go outside of the planned session time and do a little bit extra, well, then nowadays I have to speak to the sports science side of our, our staff group because they very much, I wouldn't suggest control what we do, but they have a massive say on loading and timings, you know, when we're going into training sessions. So then I'd have to link in with, with those individuals, the medical side of, of the, um, the staff group to make sure that we don't load the goalkeepers too much um, and tie them out, you know, in order um, to make sure that they're at peak levels moving forward on a daily basis so without those links it's impossible to work and that now is the way the modern game is you know there's not just you know one or two people there's a a multitude of people that have to be involved in the design of your sessions your practices and i'm talking at top level of course at grassroots it's very different but um you know this this is the process now so and we have to be able to understand each other's point of view sometimes you know you won't agree and 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 you have to try and find that happy medium and that that's about connection that's about building relationships but having an understanding of what each other's requirements are in 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 order to make sure we, we we find that that balance to make sure the players are prepared and ready to go and play games I just want to kind of, you know, move on to your current roles now. Obviously, you know, you talked there in brief mm-hmm. about your role with Birmingham City. Obviously, you've got a couple mm-hmm. of roles with the in terms of the deaf and blind squads. Um, mm-hmm. And also, you, you know, you work within the futsal area. I just want to kind of get a bit more insight around that. So, you know, what what is that like working in deaf and blind squads? Obviously, a completely different, uh, I guess, individual needs of the players than what, you know, what you may be facing or, or dealing with. Yeah, um, cool. Over at Burnham, Birmingham City with the women's squad, would you mind of insight around that and you know some of the challenges that you face those in that particular role? Yeah, of course. And, I mean, know, first and foremost, you know, it's, it's an honour um, to be asked to represent your country. You know, not for me, not just you know across one format of the game, but you know, four or five now. You know, in women's football, in uh, you know, blind football, deaf football, deaf futsal. Um, cerebral palsy football, you know, seven aside. So, you know, working, you know, within those formats of the game um, definitely challenges you as a coach. You know, each format is different in its own way, whether that be, you know, um, men's deaf football is 11 aside, you know, women's deaf futsal is obviously a goalkeeper and four players on a, an indoor futsal court. Um, you know, men's CP, cerebral palsy football, seven aside, you know, with slightly smaller goals on a smaller pitch. So, but also, you know, again, you know, 
blind football. So you've got a fully sighted goalkeeper working with totally blind players um, on a, you know, a, a pitch where we have boards down the side. We have a restrictive area where the goalkeepers can and can't go. So all of those formats offer their own challenges and differences, but also the role of the goalkeeper in each of those formats is, is slightly different. Um, you know, that, that's down to the, you know, the disabilities, that's down to um, the laws that govern those individual formats. So, you know, you, I can't just go with a goalkeeper coach's head on and say, right, we'll just do a generic goalkeeping session that will fit every one of those formats. It won't. So <clears throat> what I've had to do over the years is very quickly immerse myself <clears throat> into those formats because there is no form of coach education for goalkeeper coaches in those formats, especially the disability formats. Um, you know, in futsal, there was nothing when I first got involved. I've then over the years created and delivered a goalkeeping program and in and, and, uh, the player pathway and obviously through the coaches pathway now that enables a better understanding of the role of the goalkeeper in futsal and specific skill sets they need. Um, but you have to adapt your work um, mm. to befit the development of the goalkeeper in each of those formats. Everyone is different. And also, you know, when you're working with, say, for instance, um, you know, a, a deaf goalkeeper, um, obviously communication becomes very difficult and so on and so forth. Although, you know, in, in a sense, their, their capability as an athlete doesn't change because, you know, they're fully able, they can move around, they, they, they play as, as a goalkeeper would. So, um, but it's the communication ele element that becomes more difficult because obviously everything is, is done by sight and not sound. And you flip it on its head, you're working in blind football, um, you know, where you've got a fully sighted goalkeeper working with blind players. Again, the communication side of it is, is the hard part, but it comes in a different way because everything now is sound, not sight. So, but also as a coach, I have to adapt my way of coaching to befit the format that I'm working in. So, you know, the way I would work with deaf footballers would be different to the way I work with blind footballers um, and so on and so forth. Then you've got the different formats of the game. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the laws and the rules that govern each format are different to the other. So imagine the differences that you're having to 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 face each time you might drop into a session. So literally in one week, I can be working with, you know, 11 aside women. And then the next thing I'm doing a blind football squad camp. So, and then the next week I could be working in a, a deaf 11 aside camp. So you having that capability to, to, to adapt, to change quickly, to look at, the specifics of that format and the role of the goalkeeper within that format, but then design and organise practices that befit those formats is highly challenging. And it takes a certain skill, a certain level of understanding and years and years and years of practice. It's not just a click of the fingers and you can do it. No, you can't. You have to understand the formats. And that's what I've done. You know, when I've moved into each format before I've even got, to the camps or to my first contact with 
the groups. I've gone out of my way to immerse myself in, in as much learning as I possibly can and finding different sources, whether that be on the internet, whether it be speaking to coaches that worked in the formats previously, whether it be going and watching games, you know, within those formats, it doesn't matter. As much learning and understanding and upskilling that I can gain before I actually move into that new format, for me, that's massively important. So I've got some kind of idea before I even move into it. Um, you know, and uh, and that's the way I work now. You know, that's I always do my my due diligence and and, and make sure in everything I do, I'm 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 sort of covered. I look at at uh, finding as much information as I can about everything that I do and that I go into and that I move into, and and that helps me massively moving forward. Brilliant. You know, and just kind of just touch on you know, develop on that further. And obviously, working in the range of roles, what how much what would you say that's taught you about um, in terms of leading others? Yeah. Obviously, you've worked in a range of individuals, or, you know, working across all the different formats of the game. What would you say the most important? Yeah, I think, you know, we others? talk about leadership. For me, yes, that, that's an important sort of facet of, of us as coaches. But for me, I'm all about collaboration. I think uh, you, sometimes we can have a leader, but that might not necessarily be the right person. Or the right individual, I think. But <clears throat> if you share the processes, I think you 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 get a much stronger, a much informed outcome because you've got you know more opinions, more more knowledge, more understanding, um, more information to share. Um, but in terms of you know, for me, that what those formats have taught me um, is about collaboration, is about connection. Is about understanding other people. It's about having a little bit of empathy, um, and also humility, and just just knowing that you know we're not all um, you know in in a great a lucky position to be able to do what we do. Some people find the challenges in life really hard, but they they find a way um, to to battle through that and to manage difficult situations and adversity and, and, and to be able to then go and perform and do something that they love doing. You know, obviously, the, in, our, in our game, it's football. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, we all get challenges in life. Um, but I think, you know, one, for me, one facet of leadership is is being able to show others that through through adversity, through difficulty, we can achieve anything. And I think, you know, my story might be a little bit around that. You know, I've never had anything given to me. I've always had to to fight for what I've got. I've always had to work hard for what I've got. And the hours I've spent, you know, driving, travelling, working, courses, phone calls, so on and so forth. For me, that that all shows leadership because I'm, I'm... Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I want to be a driver. I want to be, you know, a guider and a helper of 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 other people and and for me that that's probably the biggest thing that i've taken from 
working in and around those formats. So hopefully that has answered your question. I don't know if it has, but um, you know, I, I look at it in yeah. a lot of more different ways rather than just it's about leadership. No, it's about all of these different things. And for me, that that's the most important approach, way of approaching things. Yeah. You know, in any given group situation. Definitely. And I think, you know, it's something you touch on there you, around mm-hmm. it's almost your purpose and the, your reason as to why you're doing what you're doing. You know, you want to be part of that development and, and, and yeah. supporting others and, help, and essentially helping others. Kind of just, you know, to build on that, then what would you say helps keep you inspired and motivated to keep going and being pushing on to like, be your best mm-hmm. about whether it be courses or it be, you know, uh, the dedication the commitment you made in terms of certain roles where you might have had to mm. go for an extended uh, journeys to get there or whatnot and or even those you know those off the record and on mm. the record conversation you might be having with people just to kind of support your own development as well yeah potentially support other people's development you know well i just i just think you know i to keep try to be the best i can be you know all that i do every day you know it, <laughs> you know we sometimes you get things wrong but again, those are great learning opportunities. They're not mistakes, they're learning opportunities. Um, I'd like to think a lot of the time I get things right. Um, I wouldn't say I'm perfect, no one is. Um, but at the end of the day, I think if you're not willing to open your mind to new ideas, to other people's opinions, um, you know, different outlooks, then then you've got a problem. I think you have to be open-minded, you have to be prepared to listen. Um, you know, and I think that's a, a key trait now of, of of a modern coach is, is to be able to listen. I think far too often we see too many self-opinionated individuals who won't listen, who, who are stubborn. But I think if they open their mind a little bit and looked at other people's way of thinking, then, you know, I think the world would be a better place. Um, so, but I, I think, um, you know, for me, that's in, that, that it, you hit the nail on the head there. It's about, you know, our purpose in life. Why are we here? You know, my drivers are my family, obviously, you know, my, my wife and my children, you know, I've got a grandson now and, um, you know, I, I, I'm loving the fact that I've been able to sort of share my life learnings with them and, and pass that knowledge on. And it's not just about football, it's about being a good person. I always think about the person first and then, and then in football, the, the, the player second. But I think in life, I think, you know, it, it's for me, it's about people and wanting to um, share knowledge, you know, pass on, you know, experiences, you know, the, the, for me, I know, you know, it's probably not the conversation we'll have here, but just quickly through lockdown, that period for many was very, very hard. And I understand that it's very difficult, but I, I wanted to keep myself occupied. So the amount of phone calls that I made, the amount of podcasts I did, the amount of webinars that I, I, I did globally around the world for different groups, it was wonderful. And I just loved every moment of it. So although lockdown was difficult and it was, you know, a lot of isolation and away from from sort of the the, the hustle and bustle of, of normal life, for me, I found it, you know, absolutely enthralling to be able to connect and, and, and help so many people in, in a different way because it was different. It wasn't on the grass. It was remote. It was, you know, via the internet, via different mediums. And for me, I found it fantastic. And... I've continued doing that in, in a little way because I just, for me, I think that's in my career anyway, uh, eventually at some point, 
you know, the body's going to say, no, you can't do that physically anymore. So how am I going to be able to be a coach and a, a guider and a helper of people in the future? Well, I'll see that as being a fantastic way to do that. And hopefully that will um, help me stay involved in the game when my body eventually says no. So, um, but for me, that that's, that's my inspiration. That's my drive is to continue to share this knowledge and amount of experience that I've built up over the years and, and that will never stop. So, um, you know, that, that that answers that one, I think. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you've touched there on mm-hmm. it a couple of times around, you know, that idea of sharing knowledge and passing knowledge on others and, you know, having, having that as almost one of your, your drives in a sense. Just interested to know, I know, you know, within your own coaching journey then, or, you know, just in life in general, you know, if you've had major influences where, it, you know, they possibly come in in the form of a mentor or what, or some, some where you've maybe taken a big lesson from them and, you know, if you yeah, I think you know over the years, was... you know, I I started playing football as a as a young kid, you know, and and obviously um, growing up, you know, in a football family, you know, big football fans, Birmingham City fans for our, our sins, I guess. Um, you know, I was brought up in that that football environment in the the mid to late seventies, um, and obviously then went into the the professional game. You know, joined the the National School of Excellence, the very first group in 1984, Robbie Robson's um, brainchild, where we were exposed to some of the most fantastic and wonderful coaches of the time. You know, I'm talking about people like Dave Sexton, um, our in-house goalkeeper coach was Mike Kelly, who for me was a fantastic um, coach, well ahead of his time at, at that time. And and for me, for a couple of years, became like a father, you know, um, because we, we live there. Um, and I learned so much from him. Um, and then obviously, you know, we were exposed to um, some fantastic coaches that were involved in the FA at the time. I'm talking about the likes of um, the, the, the great late Dick Bate, um, who, who came in uh, frequently to work with us. You know, I'm talking about coaches that I work with at club level as well. Mick Wadsworth, for one, you know, I play for Mick at um at Carlisle and Scarborough, you know, a fantastic coach in his time and, and still, you know, very much to this day um, working around the game and, and helping others. Um and obviously Bobby Robson um came in because it was his idea, you know, and he came in frequently to work with us and coach us um during that period. And then obviously, you know, over the years I've if you're not hundreds, possibly thousands of coaches that I've worked with or for that have all sort of played a part in my development and given me ideas and thought processes and sometimes good, sometimes not so good. You know, I think I've worked with coaches and I won't name names, but who I've worked with and I've looked at the way that they um, interact with people, deal with people, deliver their message and, I've looked at it and gone, nah, that's not for me. I, I would never treat people in that way. I would never work in that way. And then there's been others that I've been around who just blow your mind, um, you know, and and to name names would be quite difficult. I've named a few of my early years, but, you know, more recently I've, I've worked with um, a wonderful friend of mine who, who I guess he's globally recognised now with his, his work around, um, you know, um, podcasts and various other things. Keith Mayer. Um, I met Keith in 2013, I think, and I was doing a FA 
um, Youth Award Mod 1, I think it was, up in Lancashire, and I walked in the door, and, um, you know, I saw Keith, and he made a beeline for me, and um, we just connected straight away. Um, neither of us have got any hair, so that was a, a, a link straight away. We are both follically challenged. Um, and we just connected. And from that day, we've been like, like brothers, you know, and, and we, we speak frequently. We, we talk about a lot of things. We can be on the phone for two or three hours at a time, sometimes even longer. So Keith has, has played a big part more recently in my development and understanding as a coach. And, and there's been others, you know, many others. Um, and uh, it's difficult to sort of pinpoint any one thing. But what I've, what I've been, I would suggest, been good at is picking bits from all of them. So anybody that I come into contact with, you know, whatever level of the game, whether it be grassroots, you know, whether it be semi-pro, professional, elite, international, there's an opportunity to learn every time you you either sit and speak with someone, you you go to a conference, you watch a session, you you go to a game and you you look at them and you watch them from the bench. I think you've got to have a, a, a willingness to open your mind, um, to to listen, to watch to learn, to take information on board, and then to ultimately decide whether that's going to help you or not. And that's what I've done over the years, is I've, I've taken bits from everything, from everyone, from all the different formats, from you know national coaches, foreign coaches, grassroots coaches, male, female coaches, you know, and, and literally that's what's moulded and shaped me today. Um, and, and as I say, it's both the good and the bad the positive and the negative. And I think if you're prepared to to do that, then you've got a great chance of becoming a more rounded, understanding coach of, of the game itself. Definitely, you know. And just to kind of build on that, you know, then, you know, you talk there about becoming a more well-rounded and, you know, mm-hmm. more effective coach in that respect. You know, now, yeah. Keith, you know, he's actually one of the guests that we've had on mm-hmm. recently and, you know, that was interesting conversation for us um, in particular and you know in terms of I guess being that effective coach mm-hmm. I want to kind of maybe take you back to the start of your coaching journey a little bit now um, if you had to kind of maybe think back and you know knowing what you know now having the, had the experiences mm-hmm. you've had now working across the different formats of the game you know having been an ex-player now obviously a coach and actually working with the hundreds and that potentially mm-hmm. thousands of different coaches that you've come across in your lifetime is one message that you'd want to give yourself um it's a good question it's a tough question because obviously uh you know i've been coaching for probably over 20 years now and um you know along the way i've i've picked up so many different life learnings experiences um i think for me i think i've just touched on it probably and that is just to just be prepared to um be as open-minded as you possibly can and to take as much information and absorb as much information as you possibly can um, in order to help you, um, you know, mould yourself into into the coach that you want to be. Um, and that that would probably be the biggest thing. I think the other, the other thing, if you'll allow me, is just probably, you know, now what I tend is listen a lot more. I listen a lot better. I think when we're, you know, as a, a young coach, we tend to think, you know, in, in a certain way, in our way. And, you know, we want to make an impression. We want to, 
um, you know, become a, a fantastic coach and, 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 you know, really impress people when we deliver, you know, whether that be on or off the pitch. Um, but ultimately, I think the art of listening now, I've learned that I've slowed down a little bit now. And, you know, I guess it's because I don't have to prove anything now. You know, my, my reputation is there and, and I've, I've worked hard to develop, you know, people across many years now. And what I find now is that I do tend to listen to others' opinions a lot more and listen to what players are thinking a lot more and, and, and just allow them to to talk and to give their opinion before I then make my own judgments or opinions on things. So be a sponge, you know, take as much information on board as you can, but ultimately be a good listener. You know, at times, shut up, listen and take information on board and then make your judgments and decisions based on what you've heard. Definitely. And then kind of just kind of develop on that. That's obviously you know, something that a lot of coaches do go through. And certainly, you know, I, I've come across a lot of coaches who've been like that. I'm sure I've been like that myself in the past too. What, what was it for you that, what was the, I guess, the turning point for you in that, in that sense where you thought, actually, do you want, let me, let me take a step back and let me start absorbing more information and take on board. Yeah, I think uh, probably when I got involved with futsal, um, 2007, I was offered the opportunity okay. to become the league goalkeeping coach with the England futsal squad. And I knew nothing about the game. Absolutely nothing. I've never seen it, never heard of it. Um, it was just by chance that I got offered, you know, the opportunity to go and, and um, have a look at a, a training camp through, you know, a mutual friend. And ultimately, I walked in, into a world of unknown and, and there was no way that I could go into that organs blazing. Um, we do this, we do that. No, because I knew nothing at all about the game. And what I had to do was basically just totally immerse myself in the game for months, probably a couple of years, actually, before I started to understand the actual complexities of futsal. Um, but to enable me to do that, I had to listen. I had to watch had to observe, had to step back because there were people involved in the game that knew so much more than I did. And uh, that's when it clicked. And and that could be around any format of the game, any level of the game. You know, I am an A-licensed coach you know, in terms of me goalkeeping, UA for A. But I can go and watch a grassroots game and watch a coach working with a group of under eight players and I can learn so much from that coach. And that, for me, is the most humbling thing in the world. Mm. But that's what I would say to anybody listening to it. Ask yourself that question. Are you humble enough to be able to go and do that? Or because you are qualified to a level, do we feel that we are above that individual that may be less qualified? But if we opened our eyes and opened our ears and listened and watched some of the wonderful work that goes on, you know, below us, if I use that term, then we might it might might make us a better individual as we move forward through through our journey. Um, and for me, that's where a lot of my learning has happened. Uh, but without that experience of, of happening in the futsal, I would never be that way now. So for me, that was a fantastic opportunity, not just to to go in and work with a national group, but to obviously suddenly go. 
I don't know this. I've got to watch. I've got to listen. I've got to learn. I've got to do it quick. And I had to find mechanisms to be able to do that. And, and that's what I did. And that's the, the now how I work, whether that be going into a new game, new format of the game, whether that be working with another coach, a new coach, whether that be working with a, a new group of players. It, it doesn't matter. That's the way I now do my work. And um, for me, it's now stood me in good stead, that learning experience that I had back when I first got involved with futsal. Mm. You kind of, kind of just, you know, you talk there about a lot of the stuff that you've you know, observed and you know, why mm-hmm. you've, I guess, adopted that approach now. Um, now, you mentioned obviously you 20 plus years of coaching, obviously, you mm-hmm. know, and prior to that, you know, playing career as well. Just curious to know, and I'm sure we've, I'm sure you've got one. I think everyone does to an extent. Um, what would be maybe one of your biggest bugbears or pet hates? Um, do you know, it's, it's a difficult question to answer because as I've already mentioned, you know, you could see what we would perceive to be the worst coaching session delivery ever, but I could still learn something from it. Mm. Um, and that's, I of think course. for me, that's the way I approach everything, not just in, in football or sport, but in life. I try not to be judgmental. I try not to put others down. I try to always have a <clears throat> positive attitude and a, a way of thinking that from any situation, there's always a positive that can come out of it. So I think if I looked at, you know, for instance, some of the stuff that goes on social media, um, some individuals and groups that that now put things out there that I could easily look at and go, wow, you know, I'm not sure that's for the betterment of anybody that sees it. But ultimately, I look at it and I go, okay, that's your interpretation of what you're seeing. I probably wouldn't use it in that way, but then I try and find an understanding of why that's being done in that sense. And ultimately will help me in one way or another. I'll either look at it and I won't use it because I know that it wouldn't help me or the people that I work with. I'll look at it and go, right, I might adapt that in a different way or use that in a different way because that would would then be for the betterment of those I'm around or the betterment of myself. So I've got to a point now where there's that much out there in the public domain, whether it be social media, whether it be on the internet. Um, and there's such a mixture and diverse um, group of situations, whether it be practices, whether it be drills, whether it be um, podcasts, whether it be webinars, whether it be, you know, visual, verbal, there's so much out there now. And, and at times it can be a bit of a minefield. If, if I was to think negatively and get upset about everything that I saw, then you'd never get up in the morning. So I try and let, let leave and let leave now and let people do what they do for those that are informed, for those that understand, for those that I would like to think know what they're doing. They'll know whether it's right or wrong. And it's up to them to use that in the way that they, they want to. So 
I'm kind of now in a situation where I know what I do. I know how I deliver my message. You can take it or leave it. You can like it or loathe it. It's up to you as an individual. If you think it if if you think it'll help you, if you think it'll help the people that you work with, then by all means go and use it. If you don't, that's your choice. But all ultimately, I know who I work with, when I work with them, the success that I have, and in the way that I deliver my message, and the way that I connect and interact and work with people, um, it works for me. It might not work for others. Others may not agree with my points of view but that's their choice who am i to dictate as to what they want to and want not to buy into and listen to and then ultimately use um, and that's the way i look at it now so in terms of bugbears i guess i don't have any i just live and let live and let people do what they do those that are informed will know what they want to see and what they want to what they don't want to see and use so i hope that answers that <laughs> fair enough yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, I just kind of kind of build on that then. You know, you talk there about doing things your own way and, you know, you being, I guess, assured that mm-hmm. that's right for you and the people that you work with. Curious to know kind of, you know, beyond that, then maybe what's one of the biggest challenges you face within your coaching journey? You know, it might be something you're currently dealing with and it might be something you've overcome but, already. But that's, but it's not. Yeah, that, uh, that's where that, what, what, what I've just talked about there is massively important. So it's not just about me. You know, I'll have a view, I'll have a, you know, a way that I want to input, but, you know, those that I work with will have their view and, and their way of working. So, again, it's that um, finding the right way of collaborating, finding the correct way of, of, of you know, uh, discussing, uh, coming to, you know, an agreement, a happy medium. Um, will we always get our own way? No. But then I think that's where we've got to be mature enough and understanding enough to know that, you know, sometimes our view isn't always the best view, the right view. Others will have an opinion on it, but then not to become negative because we didn't get what we wanted, if that makes sense, you know. Um, and that, that for mm. me, I, I, you know, again, I'll go back to social media. You see, you know, and, you know, things will go on social media you, you you'll put a, an informed opinion on but somewhere along the line whether it be a you know a troller or it be, somebody will, will will come at you with a negative you know and uh, you know it, for me that that's the world now you know we're we're out there to be shot at you know especially if you're working at a high level um and everybody's got an opinion but I think that's the important thing is that, yes, have an opinion, but be prepared for someone else not to agree with that. But also, for me, allow that opinion to stay. You don't have to shoot the individual down. You know, that's just their interpretation, their way of looking. Um, and as I say, I think the problem is at the moment, you get people that will be opinionated, will see it in one way, won't like the way that you interpret it and ultimately then it becomes a negative situation when ultimately all you're trying to do is offer help guidance and support to for the betterment of others um but as i said it's down to each individual's interpretation of that as to how they see it and how they deal with it um so you know that that's that's my mm-hmm. view on that definitely you know, like... 
key thing, obviously, that you can talk of, you know, your creative throughout is mm-hmm. always that purpose. It's for the best boys and about supporting and helping developing others. And I think yeah. that that's a massive, massive um, takeaway for people, mm-hmm. and the people listening to this to kind of think about and how much of it is down to them and, you know, how much of it is down or mm-hmm. how much of it is being done for them mm-hmm. and how much of it is being done to help others. So, and I think if that helping others is at the forefront of your mind, then obviously there's, there's certainly yeah. much more that can come out of that process. Kind of, you know, build on that, then, you know, if you had 60 seconds now to kind of leave the listeners with one golden nugget, what would that be? And you, mm-hmm. you shared a lot of information already around some things that you personally kind of yeah. dealt with. Uh, yeah, if you want to value it. Yeah, I think, um, listen, we all have our own journeys, we all have our own paths and, you know, we'll all develop ourselves, you know, to a certain level, certain standard, um, you know, and I think we have our own values and the way we work. But I think ultimately we all have something to offer. We've all got different life learnings. We've all got experience, different experiences in the game or across different formats, you know, regardless of what level that is. And I think we all have what I call gold dust. We all have something special, even if it's just one thing that that might help someone else. And I think the art of coaching is knowing when, where, how and why you're sprinkling that gold dust. That's the key. So, and to explain that, as a coach, you know, I might deliver a session and I might say nothing to the people that I work with because ultimately I'll look at that practice, that session and go, They've taken it all on board. They've, they've got it. <clears throat> it might literally be, you know, through a game, maybe at half time, goalkeeper comes in or players come in. And I might share one bit of information that could ultimately affect a certain situation totally. And that's just one, one piece of detail or one piece of information. It could be in a practice that, you know, I want to get out um, two or three what you call golden nuggets, then I'll find a way to get those out in that practice. But I think the artist, knowing when, where, how and why um, to sprinkle that that gold dust, whether it be nothing, whether it be one, whether it be three, four bits of detail information. And sometimes, you know, saying nothing is, is probably the best way because if if the individuals you're working with have got what you're trying to get across to them and they put it, um, you know, in, in, into action and they nail it and they deliver it. Why, why do you need to say anything? You know, for me, it's literally great, fantastic, well done, you've got it. And that's it for me, you know. So mm. for me, that would be the, the thing I'd leave you with is, is just recognise, you know, when, where, how, why to sprinkle that gold dust. And, and you'll learn, you'll know what I'm talking about when it, when it happens. Um, and and that's what I would leave with you. Brilliant. Let's just you know we talked a lot about some of the messages mm-hmm. that you want people to take on board, and you know, a lot about your journey there. But currently mm-hmm. sitting at Birmingham City as a head of club, mm-hmm. head of goalkeeping for women's. Uh, obviously, still got your roles within the FA, doing you know, doing the stuff yeah. with the deaf and blind squad, and obviously the futsal side of things. Um, next, good question. Um, do you know what? I don't know. Um, you know, I, I'm not afraid, as, as you've seen, if anybody you know knows me and, and 
and looks at, at what I've done over the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years in coaching. I'm not afraid to make big decisions. I'm not afraid to walk away from something that I'm not happy with or that I feel isn't fulfilling me enough or, you know, for some reason uh, isn't right for me. Um, I'm always prepared to look at, you know, great opportunities, um, you know, in, 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 in order to help others, but also to develop myself and, and ultimately look after my family because, you know, this is what I do. I'm a coach. I'm, I'm, you know, this, it's not a hobby. This is my job. This is how I, you know, provide for my family. So, um, ultimately I'd like, I'd like, uh, you know, a, a crack at a, a big opportunity, whether that be abroad or, or working at the highest level, you know, in, in the premier league or the championship, you know, with a, you know, a really, really big opportunity. I'm not suggesting for a moment, the opportunities that I've got aren't big. They are, um, you know, in, in the, in the context that they are. So, you know, I love every second, um, you know, that I spend working in and around the groups that I do. Um, but we all want to strive to be the best that we can be. Um, I believe I've still got years in me um, <clears throat> and I will continue to do what I do on the grass physically as long as I can. Um, and I'll still look to help and guide and, and give others the opportunity to learn off the grass as well, the way, the way in which we, we're doing it now. Um, but who knows? You know, I don't know what's around the corner. You know, it, it, it could change tomorrow. It could change today. You know, I could get a call today and, and something happens. You don't know. Um, that's football. Changes by the second. So, uh, but I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. I'll keep um, striving to be the best that I can be in everything that I do every day. I'll continue to help others as much as I possibly can. I'm always open to discuss, you know, the game or, or, or coaching with, with anyone that wants to, to listen and to talk and learn. Um, and that that'll be my my mantra, you know, moving forward. So um, long may it continue. Well, you know, and mm -hmm. start, as we start to wind down now, you know, it's, you know, you've had about twenty years in coaching already. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and I hope you get another twenty. But just like when you do eventually get to that point where you know you, you call it time. Um, good question there? again. Yeah, I think listen, all I'd want people to recognize you know that, that have come in contact with me is that I was there for them that I was willing to to share you know what I have the knowledge that I have um, and that you know I was I was a developer of people and not just athletes um, and that's the most important thing for me you know we can we can be a great coach and we can develop the player or the athlete but ultimately my life, purpose is to uh, develop the person and to make the world a better place by helping mold and develop and create better people and and that's what i'd like my my legacy to be and hopefully i will leave that when i go brilliant so just tony just as we you know kind of finish off now then i was wondering if the listeners did have any questions or wanted to get in touch with you to, you know um, I guess mm -hmm. maybe pick your brains in some ways and whatnot. Yeah, I'm, I'm on social media, so um, I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn. Obviously, as down as my name, you'll, you'll see my profile picture of a, a goalkeeper coach doing what he does. Uh, I'm also on Twitter, so my, my Twitter handle is uh, at t e g k one, um, the letter one. Uh, sorry, the number one. Um, and I'm also on Instagram, so it's slightly different. It's at T-E-G-K-0-1. So the number zero 
So, um, yeah, more than happy for people to to follow me and and uh, send me a direct message. As I said, I've done it all through lockdown and still continue to do that today. So anybody wants some help, guidance around, um, you know, anything that we've discussed today, then please feel free to reach out and uh, I'll do what I can to help you. And we're not going to... No, no, Keith's better looking than me. So you'll know, you know who's who. No, you'll be (laughs) fine with that. Um, And I'm sure Keith would would love that compliment I've just given him, but he knows the truth. Um, And and if you ever speak to him again, just ask him about my... uh, my right zinger, so I'm a right foot. So he was at the uh, receiving end of a, a side volley many years ago that whistled past his ear, and he's never let me forget it from from that day. So um, we've had some great times, and um, I'm sure we'll have plenty more to come. Well, there you have it, guys. Another edition of the Coaches Network Insight Series, where we sit down with experienced individuals across the multiple disciplines within the coaching world, hoping to explore their journeys and key insights in order to package away some golden nuggets that you can apply to help you reach your full potential. I've no doubt that you've enjoyed today's episode as much as we have, but I just want to say thanks again for tuning in. The support is much appreciated. Please do get in touch with us and today's guests. Let us know where you're listening from to share your thoughts, views and key takeaways from today's show, along with any suggestions you may have for guests or future topics on the show that you'd like to hear discussed. Ultimately, guys, the show is about yourselves. The content is for you and we just want to continue to create that great content. On that note, get in touch with us on Instagram at The Coaches Network and on Twitter at The Coaches Net. And if you want to touch base with Coach Ben, he's available on Instagram and Twitter at FocusBXN. Lastly, guys, keep an eye on our socials for the latest updates and announcements for upcoming guests and discussion topics with the panel. And until next time, guys, take care. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.